What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. All right, so has he winked at you yet? Have you? <laughs> Does that have any uh, impact on you? Does that have an effect on you? No, nah, man. I, I, it doesn't? I, I love no, I love magic. I love magic. Great dude. Good. You're going to be uh, working for him. <laughs> yeah. All right, welcome everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where does anyone else have anything funny to say? Because I don't really have anything funny to say. Tommy, Alan? Well, I guess not. <laughs> well, it is it is August, you know, the end of August here, the most useless month as it pertains to the NBA and the Lakers. In fact, to me, August is like the Tuesday of the NBA offseason. It's absolutely useless. I don't know if you guys have thought about 
the days in the week at all, <laughs> as it pertains to the normal work week. And But I have singled out what the most useless day is, and I feel like that corresponds to August. And for me, Tuesday is the most useless day of the work week, just like August is the most useless month in the NBA offseason. For me, this is my logic. Mondays, at least, are just the start of a week, and you can deal with it because it's just the start. You just had the weekend. <laughs> Wednesdays are at least the midway point, so you can at least track how your week is going. Thursdays, which I'd equate to the end of September and October in the NBA offseason, at that point, you're pre-lit tailgating. Those are your pre-lit tailgating months of the NBA because... I was going to say, yeah, you're, you're close to getting lit on Thursday for sure. Especially by like 3 o'clock. Exactly. And so the next day's Friday. That's the start of the NBA season right around the corner. It's lit. Yeah, it's lit. But August slash Tuesday, useless and way too far out. It's like way too far <laughs> yeah, out to even think. Way too far out, you're right. There's like no progress in sight with regards to Lakers and NBA news. So I don't know. Do you guys agree with Tuesday being the most useless? Initially, I thought Wednesday would be the common one for everybody because it's like, why is there a random hump day in between? But now that I, but the more I've thought about it, honestly, Tuesday just makes no sense because it's, you just had Monday, and then you're you're in Tuesday, and you're like, God, there's still like three more days left. So, do you guys agree with that? <laughs> I agree with that. I, yeah, Wednesday, you kind of get your second wind. You know what I mean? Because you realize the week is about to be more than halfway over. Uh, yeah, man, Tuesdays suck. Now every Tuesday, I'm gonna <laughs> dislike it even more. Thanks for bringing that up. My bad. But you know what? We are here as the Lakers Legacy Podcast. I am joined by my co-host, and this is the first time we are all back on together as a trio. I got Alan Riley on the line. Alan, what's up? What up? And as usual, got Tommy Alexander on the line. Tommy, how's it going? It's going well. I thought you were going to say what's up, so I was preparing my weather. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's it's going well and what's up. Uh, yeah, so with that said, today's episode, as it has started out already, it's going to be a full-out ramble, shooting the shiz kind of episode. But it should be fun because we have a listener mailbag thing going on and got some fun, relevant topics to talk about during this very, very dog day of summer kind of deal here. Um, but first, as usual, please follow us on Twitter, at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, that's how many times Lonzo Ball will continue to complain to 2K Sports about the whack ratings they continue to give his teammates and the whack still shots they continue to post involving his teammates like freaking John Collins dunking on Brandon Ingram. Like, who the hell is John Collins? And also Brandon Ingram only getting a 76 rating. You guys saw those tweets by Lonzo Ball, right? Saying, hey, you guys need to fix this. That was insane. That's leadership defined right there, boys. Totally. Leadership defined. Tweeting 2K Sports. So if you guys want to see more Lonzo 2K Twitter complaints, stepping up for his teammates and promoting hashtag real change, please rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, speaking of rating and reviews, today we actually have straight face, straight laced, emotionless Lonzo Ball to read the review. And Alan Riley will be doing that for us. So Lonzo, whenever you're ready, take it away. Wow. By Daniel was like, uh, this program is what the kids lit. <laughs> that, um, yeah, I gotta say, my UCLA education, uh, that doesn't make sense grammatically speaking. So, Daniel, maybe you should have gone to UCLA. <laughs> what? That, <laughs> that was the most, that was the most lit and exciting review reading that we've ever had. Thank you for that. Thank you, Lonzo Ball, and your very excited, exuberant reading there of, wow, this program is what the kids lit. 
by Daniel Was Like. So thank you, Daniel Was Like, for that review. Rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, with regards to other ways to support the podcast, once again, please also consider donating to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast, which is linked in the about slash description section of our Twitter page. Uh, even a dollar helps, and we have some cool extra perks and privileges we're trying to dole out to the listeners, including in this mailbag section, you guys being a part of the show and sending us a 30-second to one-minute mp3 clipping of your guys's question or anything you want to even throw out in terms of what you think about the show and whatnot so those are available to our great patrons so yeah all right but before we get to our listener mailbag section our q a section there is one important bit of lakers news that we want to touch upon that just happened this past weekend um Tommy's not going to be here for this segment. We kind of had to record this particular episode in a mishmash kind of style. So Alan and I will talk about the recent allegations on the Los Angeles Lakers for tampering in the Paul George fiasco. So pretty much the gist of it is this. The Pacers have filed tampering charges against the Lakers for impermissible contact with Paul George. The Lakers have since denied those allegations, and with regards to the ongoing investigation, the Lakers are going to have to turn over any correspondence pertaining to George's agent, Aaron Mintz, and, jo- and Paul George as well, as well as any of their other parents associated with them, to the NBA. And uh, yeah, so that's what the Lakers have to do. The, the NBA is going to review that, whether that means texts, emails, phone calls, etc., etc. I don't think they're going to be able to find anything explicit like that between Magic Johnson and Paul George. Palinka is a very smart guy. He knows how to tamper without getting caught, quote unquote. And that's from a, that's a quote from another agent. Palinka's been in the game for a long time as an agent. He knows what he can and can't do. People are going to be looking at that. Magic Johnson, wink, wink, jokey, joke, laugh, laugh interview with Jimmy Kimmel. That has no merit to it whatsoever. Also, when uh, Magic Johnson tweeted, God is good, is that another one that people were referencing? Yeah, probably, even though he was talking about, what was what was he even <laughs> talking about in reference to that? I think some... I think he just got home from church. Yeah. It was like a Sunday <laughs> afternoon or something. <laughs> It's going to be very hard for the Pacers to prove that the Lakers have indeed tampered, especially if there's no paper trail of anything, you know, unless unless Magic did something stupid like send a GIF or create a GIF of Paul George in a Lakers uniform and then texted it over to him. I don't think that, you know, any of these allegations are going to be founded on, on any anything solid. Yeah, uh, I don't know what kind of Im- incriminating information they would have as far as like a paper trail goes. I highly doubt Magic Johnson was like emailing Paul George, <laughs> you know, um, or anything like that. Um, it's interesting that the report says like they're specifically investigating Magic Johnson. You know what I mean? It, it, not yeah. Rob Palinka or anything else. So, and Rob Rob Palinka's the agent too. So that yeah, you're right. You'd think if anything, like why would... are they name dropping him like specifically? If it really is the Jimmy Kimmel thing. Uh, I mean, I'm not a specialist. Like, I don't, I don't know the the technicalities and the ins and outs of any of this stuff. But uh, I would guess that that isn't enough for us to get slammed with the really harsh penalties. You know, of if we're found guilty, what is it? It's like a five million dollar fine, which you know, like that's whatever. But we would lose up to or like three first round draft picks and it's then ridiculous. we also wouldn't be able to sign Paul George as a free agent or acquire him via trade. So <laughs> those are extremely harsh penalties. Um I don't know how it works in terms of like, oh, you're gonna 
receive all of those consequences or just one of them or whatever. But in terms of the likelihood of this thing actually going down, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski said himself, like it would be extremely difficult for yes. the Lakers to be found guilty. So I'm kind of looking at it like an instant replay thing <laughs> where it's like, sure. unless there's like absolute 100% proof that uh, we're guilty then um you know it, it's it's quite a leap to to punish us in this way so we'll see pretty salty though by indiana got that larry bird magic johnson kind of connection thing again now oh in the gosh. front office so those parallels are fun um but yeah this sucks the timing of it sucks for sure but we'll see yep salty and petty af once again from kevin pritchard one of the main reasons why the Pacers and Pritchard are pretty suspicious about some sort of backhand dealings happening here between the Lakers and Paul George is the fact that when Paul George and Mintz released that statement that they're not going to return to Indiana after this this upcoming year, that the Lakers obviously were mainly the one team thrown out there or spoken about that Paul George said he wanted to go to. On top of it, the Lakers, after that statement was released, was one of the first teams, obviously, to engage about a potential trade to get Paul George in now. And what raised the Pacers' suspicions was the fact that the Lakers' package wasn't very good. And then from there, they didn't proceed to even pony up even more or even make that package any better. And so from the Pritchard's end, he's like, well, okay, they must know something we don't know if they're only willing to give me Jordan Clarkson or Julius Randle and nothing else. Or I don't even think we gave them that we probably told them Jordan Clarkson or Julius Randle plus another first round late first round pick or whatever so because of that they're probably like okay they must know something Paul George must have told them something etc etc and to that I'd say yeah maybe they do Um, the main one being that Paul George and Mintz just released a statement saying we only want to go to the Lakers we only want to be traded to the Lakers I'm gonna walk no matter what next year you know if Pritchard's insinuating that Magic Johnson told Paul George and Aaron Mintz to say that, who knows? But, I mean, I think that's the basis of these uh, unfounded claims right now, and I don't think it's going to go anywhere. And so I wouldn't worry too much. If anything, it's just more of a nuisance that the Lakers have to go through this, especially considering that the rest of the league does this on a daily basis. Uh, a lot of people contact contact and hit up free agents before July 1st. You know, in fact, the Lakers were one of the few teams that never did that because of Mitch Kupchak, because of the way that he played by the books. So I think this is just another one of those things of the Lakers being under a microscope. People see them making moves for summer 2018. Pritchard saying that Paul George and the Lakers found a mutual way to drive Paul George's trade value down, thereby, you know, not allowing the Pacers to get a proper return, even though they have Victor Oladipo and Sabonis, who they've already said they really, really like. So considering all of these things, it's it's just, to me, more so a nuisance and annoyance, and I don't think the Lakers will get hammered by anything substantial here. For me, I'm just like, when has this ever happened in the NBA? You know, where- that's what I was just wondering. When was the last time an organization accused another of tampering with one of their players? And, and, and then on top of it, slammed down like you can't sign this guy. I don't think that's ever happened, right? The only thing that I can think of is when the Clippers traded for Doc Rivers and then Paul Pierce came over. And then remember, Kevin Garnett was supposed to come over as well. And for some reason, the Clippers had to make it seem like these plays weren't designed. So Kevin Garnett didn't end up going to the Clippers, you know? 
I don't know if that was part of a, an, an explicit demand by the NBA that said, hey, if Kevin Garnett goes, then it's goes to the Clippers as well, then it's pretty blatant that there was tampering involved here. So the Clippers backed off. But outside of that, and, you know, it's very vague and murky, that situation. I don't think there's ever been a situation where the NBA stepped in and said, hey, you can't sign that player, you know? Outside of... Yeah, if it had ever happened, I think we would know. <laughs> Unless it was, like, you know, 50 years ago or something. I mean, the the NBA has stepped in, and they, they did negate the Chris Paul trade. So that's <laughs> that's the closest thing that I can parallel yeah. that to. And I don't want that to happen again to us. So, if anything, the NBA owes us one, and they need a, they really need to back off on this. Because it's, it's, it's the name Paul, dude. Some, <laughs> something with the name Paul. <laughs> I know, seriously. Um, I know in the NFL, they usually just fine the teams, right, for tampering. And that, that's pretty much it. But mm-hmm. I don't think they ever step in and say you can't do this you can't sign that person etc etc so yeah i think we'll leave this here hopefully like the lakers said their name will be cleared i honestly don't know what documents they're shuffling over to prove their innocence i don't think they have to shuffle over very much to prove they're innocent because the nba has nothing on them as far as i can see and as far as you know we can even think about so Kevin Pritchard's like, we actually uh, had a wire and we, we had a warrant. <laughs> we we tapped their phone lines and everything and we're reviewing all of their text messages and their Snapchat accounts. and <laughs> Ridiculous. All right, so we'll leave that there and transition over to something more fun. And yeah, so we'll switch it over now to our Q&A segment with our listeners. Uh, Tommy will join us for that one. Uh, you know, I'm just doing this and that's all. All right, with that said, let's go straight into this listener mailbag episode. First up is going to be from one of our patrons. His name is, I don't know how to pronounce his name. His name is Hussam Najjar, and he sends us a question via MP3. So let's listen to that now. Hey, guys, Hussam from Riverside, California. I uh, just wanted to ask what your favorite memories are that are Lakers related. I think for mine would be after the championships in 2008, 2009. My brother's coming to my work and us all celebrating in the parking lot of the place I worked at. It's good times. Just want to see what you guys thought. Peace. So that is our question from our great patron, Hussam Najjar. His Twitter handle is at illminded with the E in minded spelled with a three and a one at the end. Illminded one. At illminded one. Thanks, Hussam, for that question. So... Does anybody want to start off answering that? Your favorite moment, Lakers memory? And, you know, we're going to have different ways of defining this. But for me, in terms of the most memorable, obviously, I love the championships and how lit those are and how excited we all get and how long lasting they are, obviously. But in terms of memorable moments, I would have to go with the Derek Fisher point four shot uh, because that was in a time of our lives and we were all in band. And I remember watching that shot during a... Uh, what concert is it that we all, like, we do band one, band two, band three, and symphony orchestra for, like, the North Gym and for parents? What's that concert I, called? I think it's called the Pops Concert, the Pops where concert. we play music from movies. Yes. So we always have to play this pop concert during the NBA playoffs, and unfortunately, we end up having to miss some random Lakers playoff game. And back in, was that 2004, I believe? Yeah. This was before yeah. DVR was widely accessible. <laughs> exactly. So the great thing about our band leader, 
Tom Landis was that he was a huge Lakers fan too. And so was our Mr. Cheryl, who was the, at the time, the second in command. He was, he did our drum line. Anyways, they had the game playing for those students who had finished their performance in the band room on a huge screen via projector. And so, yeah, the Spurs Lakers game was playing. And I just remember everybody with their damn instruments in hand still. <laughs> in their suits and ties, glued to the television, glued to the projector screen, watching Derek Fisher hit this fadeaway 0.4 shot to somehow get the Lakers a 3-2 lead against the San Antonio Spurs. And though we'd inevitably lose the championship to the Detroit Pistons, that is the one memory that kind of stays etched in my mind just because of how bizarre the context was. Everybody with their instruments, everybody coming back from playing a performance and playing, I don't know, Top Gun, or whatever, Pirates of the Caribbean, and just getting freaking lit at the fact that this guy hit an impossible shot. Because if you remember, before Derek Fisher hit point four, every it was widely regarded as fact that it was impossible to hit a 0.4 shot until we saw the replay yeah. and the fact that you know, the ball was out of his fingertips. And then after that, we were like, oh, maybe if you shoot it quick enough, you can actually hit a shot in in 0.4 seconds. So Derek Fisher almost pioneered that revolution just because it was the perfect pass from Gary Payton. Perfect design. Like it, it was a put shot from Derek Fisher. He pretty much shot it from his hip, launched it, and it went in and everyone went crazy. And for, for a good minute after people were just glued to the screen wondering did he make it was it out of his hands in time and it was and <laughs> pops concert everybody everybody in bands so nice. <laughs> that's my favorite memory do you remember do you remember how you felt when tim duncan hit that impossible shot oh yeah like I, what was the reaction in the band room at that time because that was so demoralizing like it was over the first you know? time the first time in Shaq's career that he defended <laughs> uh, like defense. outside of five feet yeah. he played perfect defense tim duncan like took a fade away like almost three-pointer and and fell down after he he took the shot and still made yeah it, it was like a succession of improbable shots because before the tim duncan shot if you don't remember kobe bryant hit a clutch mid-range jump shot and we were like feeling all good and then tim duncan hits this ridiculous banker and we're just like there's 0.4 seconds this is impossible at that point 0.4 was impossible to hit and Derek fisher somehow did it from his left hip you know? So yeah, it, it was crazy. And that's my long-standing memory or best Lakers memory. So Alan, do you want to go next? Yeah, sure. Uh, so mine comes from a lot earlier than that. This was in that series against the Portland Trailblazers. And mm. uh, it wasn't the Kobe Shaq alley-oop game, but it was a game in that series when the Lakers won. I don't quite remember. So well, shoot, what year was that? Was that a yeah. That was 2000, yeah. right? That was the first one. So, yeah, I was in fifth grade. Wait, sorry. What? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I was actually with my brother and my grandfather, and we were driving from Los Angeles back to Arcadia, and it was right in the middle of that game. For whatever reason, we just had to, like, be home, and it was during that time. And I remember being super bummed out that I couldn't see it on TV, but we listened to it on the radio, and it was on 570 KLAC at the time. And, uh, I was just listening to Chick Hearn, you know, do the simulcast with my grandfather. And I remember him talking about, like, what a great broadcaster Chick Hearn was and how descriptive he is. And he's like, you see, it's basically like you're watching the game. And because, like, I love my grandpa so much, like, that experience was 
probably one of the best Laker experiences I've ever had. Even though I wasn't seeing the game with my own eyes, like experiencing it in that way was a lot of fun. And we actually got back to my house and the game was still going, but I feel like there was like a minute left and we didn't want to miss anything from going to the car to my house. So we just sat in the car and listened to the last minute of the game and it was really close and we ended up winning. And I, I just remember like feeling so good experiencing that moment with my grandpa old school listening on the radio not even watching um but it, it was really sweet so that that would be my my best memory yeah, that's awesome very uh sentimental and moving so tommy try and top that my friend <laughs> you can't you well, can't. I can't top i can't top that um but mine is like another uh, another famous moment. I think that if you look at like highlight videos of that Kobe Shaq era, but I I want to say this was 2002, but it was the Robert Ory game winning shot against the Sacramento mm-hmm. Kings, um, and I believe it was Game Five uh, that he hit that shot. So it was like a turning point game type of situation, and and. Uh, we had the ball. It's like our two best players, like two of the best players in the world at the time couldn't get the job done. Like Kobe missed the drive. I think Shaq had like a tip attempt that he couldn't, ma- he couldn't make. And then Vladi Divox just tried to like tip the ball out to like win the game and just like expire the clock. And Robert Ory just happened to be standing right there and he grabs the ball, hits the three at the buzzer. I completely, I was way too lit at that time. <laughs> and I just was like jumping around so crazy that I broke my parents coffee table in the living room <laughs> and they had to buy a new coffee table and they were not very happy about that. But, uh, that's how that's how lit I got at that time. So that's probably that's probably my favorite memory. And you named that new coffee table Robert Ori, right? Of course. <laughs> See, I don't think I've ever broken. I don't think I've ever broken anything oh, as dude, a result I, of a Laker win I, or loss. So that's really impressive. I've broken two. I broke like I've, it's only happened twice. One was the Robert Ori, and one was the Derek Fisher point four shot. What did you break that time? Your instrument, the coffee uh, table. No, no, I broke. Uh, I actually I threw my baritone funny. against the wall. <laughs> so was that when we were pl- were we freshmen in high school at that time? Tommy, you and I were freshmen. Yes. Yeah, that was pop okay, concert. So okay, but I don't so, think we had a concert that. Oh, day. I, that's what I was gonna say because I was definitely You're at like, home when yeah, I watched that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. So what did you break again? Just like a glass that I was holding, I, I dropped on the floor. <laughs> he just chucked it against the television and just broke everything. Yeah, I exploded the house. I burned the house down, actually. <laughs> That's hilarious, dude. You can like point to different broken objects and be like, ah, oh, that one. You should have your own broken museum of broken items <laughs> that's tied to a Lakers lit moment or something. That'd be pretty hilarious. I should. All right, so the next time we win the ch- so the next time we win the championship, we all have to be together and we all have to break something, okay? That's agreed upon, yes. Sure, sounds good. Yeah, so thanks Hassam Najar for that question. I almost wish we could keep talking about these types of questions, but we're going to transition now to more relevant Lakers questions, which I'm actually kind of sick of, but whatever, we're going to go we're going to go through them now. Um this next question comes from Travion Parks. He emailed us and asked, "What do you guys think the role of Josh Hart will be?" Do you see him getting valuable minutes? Maybe some nights Clarkson slides to backup points, so Hart plays backup too. Would love to hear your guys' opinion. Uh, thanks, Travion. Uh, with regards to me, I don't think Josh Hart's going to get very many minutes. In fact, I see him going down to the D-League a couple times, as is usual for rookies. Um, 
He's essentially a two guard. Maybe once Clarkson is traded, Josh Hart will get more time there, uh, backing up KCP. Um, but right now I see Tyler Ennis as the main backup point guard. And depending on how Caruso progresses, Caruso playing third string backup. Um, yeah, I, I, I see Josh Hart playing out in the way that he's probably not going to get very minute, very, very many minutes at the start of the season. And if he does get minutes, it'll be after Jordan Clarkson is traded and more so towards the garbage portion of the season. So Tommy, what about you? I think there actually is, um, I mean, it's going to be a small opportunity. I, I'd like to see, one thing I'd really like to see from Luke is expanding his lineups a little bit because we do have this year a good amount of veterans who are, shouldn't be playing that many minutes. Like, for example, Luel Dang is going to be our backup three. I, I can't, I don't want him to play more than like 15 minutes a game. You know, like Brooke Lopez is our starting center. He's not going to play more than 28 minutes a game. Certain guys like that are going to, open up minutes as, as other people start to move around to, you know, get some minutes at different spots. So I do think Clarkson is because we have KCP now Clarkson's going to be limited in his backup two minutes. Um, so I think he's going to get some of his minutes there, some of his minutes at the backup one, but I think there are still going to be enough situations where maybe the overlap doesn't work out quite that well. And, and, and uh, Hart ends up getting like eight to 10 minutes a game, which is not significant, but you know, it's like a sort of, I don't know if you look at, uh, not to constantly tie us back to the Warriors, but if you look at the Warriors with like some of their rookies they've had over the past couple of years, just figuring out ways to get them short bursts of time here and there. I think that's what uh, we'll try to do with hard because for his defense and shooting, I think it's, it's worth it to try to find him some time. Sure. Alan, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see both sides. Like, Jordan Farmar was a really late first-round pick for us, and he did go to the D-League um, somewhat frequently, and then he came back to our club and just stayed up. I, I I could see us sending Josh Hart down there a little bit if he is struggling to find some time, because you may as well get him out on the floor. At the same time, like, Tommy, you brought up the Warriors. I would bring up, like, a guy like Kyle Anderson with the Spurs, where they have a ton of depth, and they drafted him late first round, but Popovich still found opportunities to play him just to get him in some learning situations. Now, that's a winning team, so you could argue they're different situations from us, but uh I do think he's going to get some minutes here and there. He is definitely going to get some DNPs, but I don't see... Tyler Ennis necessarily being like the primary backup one for all 82 games this season. Um, he'll, he'll start out that way cause he's a vet, but, um, I, I do think Josh Hart at some point, it's just going to be that time, you know, where it seems like he's ready and hopefully Luke does slowly bring him along. Um, Again, this is a very positionless team with the exception of a guy like Tyler Ennis, I guess. So, yeah, Clarkson can play some backup one and two. And Josh Hart could also play some backup one and two, primarily the two, though. Um, with regards to Tommy, which said about his defense, I agree with you. Like, his his defensive fundamentals are pretty solid. Like, we all know he's a four-year college guy. He's a winner, etc. Um, he has good fundamentals for the most part defensively. So, I hope that they do find some value in that. This isn't like... When Phil Jackson was coaching and he's like, I don't care who you are. If you're a rookie, you're just not playing at all. Um, I do see Luke and the staff being a little more open-minded. So 
yeah, we'll have to wait and see. But I can see both sides of your guys' argument. Yep, agree. And to your guys' point, Josh Hart is one of the more established college players. So if you throw him out there, it wouldn't be like throwing out any random rookie who who doesn't have experience like playing in the limelight, so to say. So yeah, thanks, Travion Parks, for that question. Our next question comes from Nick at Nick Wop, N-I-C-W-O-P. He asks, and this is an interesting question, <clears throat> If you had your choice, what combo of Max Superstar free agents in the 2018 summer would you prefer? So obviously there are guys like LeBron, Paul George, Boogie Cousins, DeAndre Jordan, Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul, a bunch of restricted free agents actually who might not have the market that they're seeking, but we'll leave it at the big superstar guys for now. Um, I'll start out by saying... Obviously, on paper, I think LeBron and Paul George is the one to go with, like, without a question, but that kind of sounds like a boring answer, and to be honest, I know that is very conflicting for a bunch of Lakers fans because a large faction are Kobe stands, and the biggest thing with them is, regardless of the fact that LeBron has been a huge Kobe Bryant fan his entire life, there always seems to be this opposition against LeBron because he was always directly pitted against Kobe Bryant, so it's going to take... um at least uh, a good portion of fans to, you know, come to terms with that. But given that, I think we've also talked about, regardless of that, it just seems like getting LeBron and the Lakers as like a mercenary type dude feels kind of cheap a little bit. And uh so for me, just to not be boring, even though I agree Paul George LeBron would be unequivocally the best duo, I would want to see something like Paul George and Russell Westbrook or even Paul George and Boogie Cousins just because... Or, or Boogie Cousins slash De- DeAndre Jordan. Uh, just because Paul George would then be this hometown kid kind of storyline that we could continue to kind of push out along with Lonzo Ball being a hometown kid. And if they ever win a championship, it would be more kind of sort of that narrative where LeBron James went back to Cleveland and won it, you know, as opposed to, well, they got LeBron James, of course they're going to win, you know. So I would almost kind of like to see a Paul George plus any other star scenario. Um, Paul George and Russell Westbrook would be really interesting because then you could go to town with LA, LA, LA. Uh, but for positionality's sake and in terms of roster construction, I would go PG and Boogie slash DeAndre. So, uh, Alan, what about you? Yeah, uh, I'll get the LeBron Paul George thing out of the way too. That's definitely what I want and what, you know, it seems like is going to happen. But if I'm going to go away from that, I totally agree with the Paul George thing. I'm going to be so lit if Paul George is a Laker dude. Mm-hmm. Um, it does have that homecoming feel to it and uh i don't know it just seems right you know um beyond that (laughs) it would be really interesting to see demarcus cousins here just because luke walton is such a you know master of dealing with personalities and getting the most out of some challenging individuals and i i would like to see um the coaching staff and the entire team sort of take boogie cousins for who he is and really like empower some of the where he's rough around the edges and turn those into positives and um you know there are just certain coaches and systems that a guy like boogie could thrive and flourish under and i couldn't imagine him like butting heads with luke you know what i mean because they're gonna talk to each other man to man so i would like to see a transformation story like that that'd be pretty cool um if not him to address like the Russell Westbrook thing, I love Russell Westbrook, UCLA guy, all that stuff, but I have a difficult time seeing him fitting into the system that Luke wants yeah. to run. 
And then if he's out there with Lonzo, it would just, I don't know, it would be like a major, major adjustment period. So, so as much as I like him, as fun as he is, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around how that fits. So yeah, unconventional pick, I would say, is Boogie Cousins. Yeah, and Luke Walton has actually been on record saying, I love Boogie Cousins. I forget what podcast we were listening to, but he's literally like, yeah, I love that dude. You know, so already getting out ahead of it just in case. So Tommy, what about you? LeBron and Paul George. Yeah, pretty easy. You know, so my dark horse, and this would be hilarious and funny, is can you imagine if Chris Paul came to the Lakers, even on like a one-year deal, two-year deal, and happened to win a championship as a Laker after years of not being able to make it to the Western Conference Finals as anything but a Laker, you know, or as anything not a Laker. So it would be funny that a guy who should have been a Laker much earlier comes in with Paul George or whoever finally wins a ring, but only in Lakers colors, finally only gets over the hump as a Laker. So I just think the narrative to that would be so interesting, even though Chris Paul's old or whatever, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, it would be like, it would be almost too perfect. Almost too perfect. Like, <laughs> but it would be amazing. Yeah, the only thing that unlocks Chris Paul is him becoming, being the player that he should have been on the team he should have been on a long time ago, you know? And then once they win the championship, guess what t- uh, Chris Paul is going to tweet out? Capital W, lowercase O, capital W. Yeah! Wow! <laughs> so that would be the ultimate, like, redemption story. So that's, now, now that I have my head wrapped around that, I'm kind of like, Yo, sign Chris Paul up for one year and hopefully we win it that year. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so thank you, D-Nick, for sending that question. Um, our next question comes from Laker Exceptionalist. His Twitter handle is at FireByronScott with the O in Scott as a zero. You don't have to worry about that anymore, dude. But I guess thanks for holding, continuing to hold up that mantle. <laughs> Byron Scott is already fired, so no need to worry about that. Um <laughs> This guy has nightmares that he's watching Laker games and Byron Scott's still coaching. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, But his question is, if you had to choose between Lonzo Ball or Brandon Ingram, who would you take? Oh, this is really tough for me, dude. uh, This one's, this one's hard, dude. I don't know. I can't answer this. Okay. So, so I'll, I'll start (laughs) by saying, Oh man. I plead the fifth. (laughs) You you can't, you can't. So right now, I think I would say I would still go Brandon Ingram, but honestly, it's very close. And I only say Brandon Ingram just because Lonzo Ball at his height, we've seen the way he changes the culture of a team all by himself. You could put him on any team and he'd probably change their culture and their dynamic for the positive. And that is very, very important. But at the end of the day, if we're looking at career trajectories of who these guys could pan out to be at their highest extent, I'd say Lonzo Ball, we would be looking at a hyped up, fused version of Steve Nash and Jason Kidd, right? And those types of guys have had Hall of Fame careers too, and been very valuable. But at the end of the day, it hasn't really been on their accord that they've won the championship. They've been a influencing force obviously but at the end of the day it's always been still wing dominated and brandon ingram his highest career trajectory would be like a giannis type right or you know a lowercase Kawhi leonard something like that and we've seen that guys like that who have two-way potential um, are usually more of the driving forces behind championships so if i'm still hoping that these two reach their peak arcs i would probably still lean towards Brandon Ingram achieving that. So, but it's really close, honestly. So, uh, Tommy, what about you? Uh, I know he has yet to play one game in the NBA, but if I had to choose, I would still take, I would take Lonzo Ball because I just think that we've had number two picks three years in a row now. 
Um, and Lonzo Ball was the only one who came in. And I know it's summer league and blah, 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 all the normal caveats, but it's the same summer league every year, you know? And Lonzo Ball is the only one who came in and had that type of impact as a first year player. And he was, oh, you know, one year college guy, just as much experience as anybody else we drafted at, at that position. Again, three consecutive years we saw guys taken at that exact spot. Um, even, uh, you know, other top players, I, I just have not personally seen a guy come in and completely change the way his teammates play like Lonzo Ball did um, in just that short stretch that he appeared in Summer League. So I think I saw enough during that time for me to be, for me to just say, like, that's my guy, like, going forward. I really hope, like, we don't trade him for anybody because so, I really want to see how his, his career progresses. Alan? Yep, I agree with Tommy. I'm going Lonzo Ball, and it hurts to say that because Brandon has improved, it seems, you know, so much just from last year until right now. And he, like, Brandon's becoming much more vocal, and he just seems like he's ready to take that leadership position. But, um, I agree with everything Tommy said. The way that Lonzo affects the game, it just becomes like a completely different team. And even when Lonzo is off the floor, he's not even suited up playing. The other guys are still playing the same style that Lonzo would if he were out there. So that's just something you can't teach. And as we've heard so many times, all all the way back to coach Steve Bake, this is just who Lonzo has been his entire life. So uh, yeah, I think he's just a guy that is infectious and it, it just transforms every single player on the team. So Sorry, B.I., I'm going with with Zoe. Most definitely, of course. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I think even if we're looking at that, I know this question is meant to be hypothetical, and but if we're actually taking it into reality and thinking about the roster construction, uh, Lonzo Ball would fit better with two superstar wings like LeBron James and Paul George than a guy like Brandon Ingram would, obviously. But I think the only reason why, again, like, like I lean Brandon Ingram is at the end of the day, let's say our two superstar max plan doesn't pan out to the point where we are getting a Paul George and a LeBron James. If Brandon Ingram takes that leap, you always need that go-to scorer type. And, you know, we've already assessed that, you know, Lonzo Ball's never going to get to that stage. He will affect the team and change their, the entire culture, but you're still always going to need that two-way sort of player who can really take it to the next level and if Brandon Ingram continues to uh progress the way that we saw him progress just at the end of last season and also the first game of summer league as this unstoppable force that people were not sure how to handle because of his gangly legs and arms and limbs and he gets stronger and shores up his three-point shot I think uh yeah sky's the limit for him too but honestly not a bad question I mean it, it is a tough question but not a bad question to have given both of them are on our teams and likely not going anywhere anytime soon. So there you go. Um, next question is from Ralph Mason at Ralph underscore Mason Jr. He asks, how would you handle Luau Dang this year? Try to get him into the rotation or just treat him as a sunk cost slash dead money asset? Uh, for me, I think at least at the beginning of the season, they're going to give him minutes. And I actually don't think it's going to be at the backup three spot. Uh, funnily enough, I think it's gonna be Corey Brewer leaking out for Lonzo Ball and getting like all these dunks and layups because that's Corey Brewer's specialty. He may get some time at the three, but I think they're actually gonna try and slot him at the backup four spot and then play a guy like Julius Randle or Larry Nance at the five spot in small ball lineups. And unfortunately, that's gonna, um, pinch out Zubats. But given how he's looked, that might not actually be such a bad thing. Um, 
this entire year is going to be dedicated, I think, to trying to find Luau Dang a new home. And, uh, cause they're eventually going to stretch him if need be to free up that second max cap space slot. But outside of that, they're desperately going to be trying to trade him. And in order to do that, you're at least going to have to show that he's still somewhat valuable to a team outside of just him being a guy with veteran presence. And so to do that, I think they're at least going to give him some. 10 to 15 minutes at the backup four spot, you know, and hopefully in that role, in the the position he's suited to play, and it's been proven last season that when he plays the four spot, he's actually pretty decent, you know. Um, I think given that, they can raise his value a little bit and hopefully from then move on from him mid-season or something. But Tommy, what do you think about handling Luau Deng this year? So I do think they're going to try to keep him in the rotation. I just, for me, it's hard for me to see how he gets minutes if he doesn't play most of his, if not all of his minutes at the backup three. I, I do think Brandon Ingram is going to play like 35 minutes a game. I mean, he basically did last year after Dan got hurt. So I think if, if Ingram is playing like 30, maybe not 35 is a little bit ambitious, but 32 to 34, um, I think Dang will take at least some of those backup three minutes. I think he could, I mean, Ideally, right? If, if we had a front office two years ago that had like 10 or 1% foresight, they would have, because ideally Luol Dang would have been a backup four. And I think he could have been very serviceable actually as a backup four. Um, and he can run with fours and he can defend fours and he can stretch the floor decently well for a four. But we just don't have that, that many minutes to go around at the backup four spot. So I do think that. They're going to try to find time for him. I do think that the season is obviously going to be about trying to get rid of him. But as we kind of discussed in previous uh, in previous shows, that's not going to be something easy to do. So I think the, ultimately we're going to end up treating him as sunk cost slash dead money. I, I just don't see – I, I can't see it or I can't say at this point what stage in the season that's going to happen. Alan, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, pretty much the same thing you guys, you guys said with Kuzma, Randall, and Nance all at that four. Um, yeah, it's going to be tough to put him at that four position. Um, and even the times when you do go small with Randall or Nance possibly at the five, I mean, are you really going to have Dang in there instead of Kuzma? So I, I agree. I think it's going to be tough to find him minutes. I think, like you guys all said, like they will try. They're not literally just going to sit him the entire season like they did toward the end of last year and just basically say, don't even show up anymore. Um, but I don't think that's going to get very far. Hopefully, you know, I think the front office and the coaching staff is pretty realistic at this point. Um, it's not going to be an experiment that lasts for very long. So I wouldn't be surprised if he does end up being, like you said, Tommy, just sunk costs and, you know, you, you just deal with it. You don't try to force the issue too much with giving him minutes. It's, it's not worth um, you know, stifling other players' development and team chemistry just to get them off your hands. Gotcha. Um, so I guess the, an extension to this question would be, so where do you guys see Kuzma eventually settling in? Because this guy needs some minutes. And I think with regards to Randall, the, the Lakers are really going to see what they have in him before really, you know, trading him off or making a decision, especially because they also have KCP. So they have to make a decision between a lot of these guys. Jordan Clarkson, we can assume, has gone at some point. I know they're going to try and get whatever they can from Jordan Clarkson and see how he improves around Lonzo Ball, pump up his value, and maybe by midseason find a trade partner for him. But Randall, I think they're going to see 
how he looks throughout the season. And maybe they cut bait with Randall midway through if his value is so high that they can get at something actually valuable outside of a first round pick just to cut that salary or that his qualifying offer or cap hold next season. But uh, where does Kyle Kuzma fit into this? And will he will he be getting, I don't know, eight minutes at the four spot? Or are we also going to try and give him some of the the wing minutes at the three behind Brandon Ingram? Tommy, what do you think? So my ideal outcome, actually, is that they just completely cut Luel Dang out of the roster altogether and, um, uh, or out of the minute, or out of the rotation, I should say, altogether. And they just give all of those minutes to maybe at first, uh, to Corey Brewer because he's a veteran and then start to phase in Kyle Kuzma with minutes there because Kuzma's shown enough to where it's like we had certain areas we wanted to improve this offseason and the two main ones were defense and three-point shooting and Kuzma does both of those or at least from what he's shown so far so and not only that he's versatile enough to play some threes so that's where I think they might try to sneak in some minutes at first given how much of a glut we have at the four but on the other hand I feel like one guy who we just sort of slot in here as being a presumptive backup four is Larry Nance Jr. And and Larry Nance Jr. is really good. And he does, especially in previous years when we had nobody playing defense, um, he gives defense. He can stretch the floor a little bit. Uh, he's extremely athletic, which would be amazing to watch with Lonzo. But if Larry Nance Jr. has not like extended his range and cannot reliably hit an outside jump shot or reliably hit a three-point jump shot, at some level, and I'm not saying it's going to be right when the season starts, but at some point you have to sit back and think like, okay, what is this guy exactly doing for us that Kyle Kuzma is not doing? I think Larry Nance has slightly better defensive instincts at this stage, um, but Kyle Kuzma is by no means a bad defender. And Kyle Kuzma can handle the ball much better than Nance. He seems like a, at least as good of a passer, if not a better passer than Nance. Um he he is already is a better shooter than Nance. Um, and not only is he a better set shooter, he can shoot off the dribble. He can shoot coming off screens. Um, so I know like the ultimate um, end goal or the way we're kind of viewing this, this uh, the coming years is that Julius Randle doesn't really have a spot on the team. Uh, but in, in terms of the immediate future, Randall is clearly among these three in my mind. And I mean, maybe not clearly, but he seems to be the best as of now um, in terms of what he can bring offensively with his ability to push and his ability to run and finish in transition. But I think for that backup four spot, if Larry Nance Jr. isn't careful, he could like start to lose some minutes there. um, If Kuzma plays the way that he did in the summer league. And obviously we have no idea how much of that is going to translate. So I think in the beginning, Kuzma is going to be the odd man out um, unless they can try to get Nance and Randall more minutes at the five. But eventually, Kuzma will start to break into the rotation, and I wouldn't be that surprised if he bumped Larry Nance out. Yeah, no, I mean, that makes sense. And I would like to see actually how Larry Nance fares more as a small ball five, because I could see scenarios where him and Kuzma are the front court in really fast lineups and they can switch everything. We've seen Kuzma do a really good job defending the perimeter. Larry Nance can do that as well. And, you know, it's just going to, it's just a matter of whether Larry Nance has beefed up a little bit and can handle bigger bodies. But at this point, it's a positionless NBA. It might not even be that much of an issue unless he's going up against Marcus Gasol or the New Orleans guys. So, uh, Alan, do you have any thoughts on where Kuzma might slot in? 
I mean, I would love it if Kuzma got about 20 minutes a game. You know, it just seems like it's such a good fit right now uh, with him and Lonzo and just the entire system that we're running. Um, I agree with Tommy. Nance really, like, hopefully he stepped up this offseason because, like you said, if he cannot shoot, like, then what good are you, quite frankly? And, um, you know, he's made that mid-range jumper every now and then, but one of Larry's biggest issues is being hesitant. Like, he's not really that, um, like, the initiator, the guy who's going to be assertive offensively. He's always looking to pass to somebody else. And then if you compare that to Kuzma, um, he does exactly what Luke Walton wants. Like, if you have a good shot, take it, period. Um, so, right off the bat, I, I feel like, He'll ease in a little bit, but I don't think Nance is going to have, or Randall for that matter, depending on how he looks, like as long of a leash as uh, some people might assume. Gotcha. Cool. Um, yeah, that's it for that question. Our last question comes from E.V. Kwan. Uh, his uh, Twitter handle is at Geek Trooper. And we're going to end on this question, I guess. Uh, he asks, are we still sad about D'Lo? Because I'm not. And as this summer has progressed, obviously, we've learned and come to the conclusion, in fact, that this was just a deal that the Lakers had to make. Um, whether or not they had to make it now is always debatable, but given the fact that Tommy and I crunched the numbers and the cap space, and there really isn't a very realistic way of getting two full max slots if you kept D'Angelo Russell on the team while still having to figure out what to do with Timothy Mozgov's huge contract. So understanding that, that this was a deal we had to make and, and coming to terms with that, I think at least for me, I don't think the two are mutually exclusive. I mean, we can still be sad about D'Angelo Russell. We can still root for him. That doesn't also mean that, that doesn't, that, that doesn't mean that we, that we're saying, no, we didn't want that or trade like, to glad happen. glad that he's gone. Yeah, exactly. Like, the, <laughs> yeah. it's not mutually exclusive. We can be sad about D'Lo and also be excited about the state of the Lakers. You know, I think a lot of fake Lakers fans are, are equating those two, um, with no in-betweens and it, it being a very black and white scenario. But for me, I'm still a D'Angelo Russell fan. I mean, I, to this day, still dream about what Lonzo Ball and D'Angelo Russell would look like together. And just, you know, just the swag that D'Angelo has. We've seen it this summer, him playing at, it's not the Rucker Park, but some lesser man's version of that in Brooklyn or whatever, him playing in the streets and hitting clutch shots and then doing ice in my veins as people surround him. You know, that's a very Laker thing to happen. You know, he ended his career as a Laker with a game-winning shot against Minnesota. So to just have that dynamic not with the Lakers anymore sucks because it's like, Ah, uh, what could have been. I think that's always my, my sort of thing with regards to D'Angelo Russell. Not that I'm disappointed that we have the team that we have, because obviously KCP's here now. That was a great get. Maybe even argue, arguably a better fit. But just given that we could have still had D'Angelo Russell and still had a larger young core kind of group, and it would have been so swagtastic with D'Angelo, Lonzo, uh, Kuzma, Brandon Ingram. Yeah, I think that's what where I'm at. It's like, I can be sad and still wish that D'Angelo was on the team while also still conceding the fact that had to be done. You know, this was a deal that's probably going to be good for both sides, D'Angelo Russell included. And me saying I'm sad about D'Angelo Russell does not mean I don't really like this team. It could have been better and uh, Lonzo Ball could have been better. And I say that too because given how Lonzo Ball has changed the dynamic of pretty much every single player I, I, I almost want to say, like, imagine what he could have done in, to D'Angelo Russell. Made him a better leader, made him a better player, et cetera, et cetera. So, Tommy, are you still sad about D'Angelo Russell? 
I uh, know I'm not sad, and it's not because I again it's nothing to do with I think he sucks or anything. I think he's a good player, and I think he's going to have a really nice career in Brooklyn. It's just like the trade happened months ago at this point, and I think at some level we have to get over it, you know. And I think we all have, and it's like, yeah, he's it's like we it's like you said, kind of. He's going to be fine. He's going to be good. We there's a timeline where we wish we could have seen what what could have been, but I don't know. There's a on the, on the other hand, there's also a timeline where maybe you keep him and it doesn't turn out the way you want, and then you just have a tainted view of everything. So it's sort of like James Dean dying young, and everybody has that like lasting image of who he nice, was. You know, nice, I mean, that's nice. D'Angelo. That's D'Angelo Russell to us. It's like we'll always we'll always imagine what his career could have been with the Lakers, and and if it was going to be worse than that, then gone too soon. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's yeah, gone too soon. Maybe it's good that we we didn't pour know one out case. for D'Angelo James Dean Russell. He he does have that same sort of swag and charisma, so to say. So, uh, Alan, what about you? That's awesome. Um, yeah, I think you know time kind of healed it at this point. Um, when I see pictures or videos of him or whatever, uh, I do kind of get like, oh dang, you know. But I'm not gonna rehash the entire um, events, you know, of that day. So. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is, and uh, when we play him early on in the season, I'm going to be like, oh man, like, this sucks, I really hope Lake, I really hope Laker fans don't boo the crap out of him, but unfortunately, yeah. I'm sure a good amount of people will, and, like, that's going to suck, so, it, it, in terms of that, yeah, like, that, that makes me sad, um, but, yeah, it happened, and it's reality, and you just kind of accept it, it's cool. Hopefully he does extremely well. Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point. Right now, obviously, it's the dog days of summer already, so enough time has passed, just practically speaking. Yeah, there's not really much to get sad about, especially given the trajectory, positive trajectory of the Lakers. But like you said, this is not the last time we're going to see D'Angelo Russell. We're going to see him many more times down the line, and there could be situations where we do get sad, including if he kills us every single time we play Brooklyn and he has 50 points, right? or something like that, or hits a game winner against us, and he's balling out. I think those situations where we're going to be reminded very tangibly of what could have been, and it's very salient in our minds. So don't blame us as former D'Angelo Russell fans for when those types of moments happen that we're like, damn it, you know what I mean? I know Lakers fans are going to be at that moment if we ever say, damn it, what could have been? They're going to be like, oh, get over it, you know? But that's just reality of the situation. And um I think what I... I'm not looking forward to is if, for whatever reason, if D'Angelo does ball out, D'Angelo haters who are Lakers fans will probably just say, ah, but he's in Brooklyn. He was, he was meant to do that. You know, that that's an Eastern conference team. And I just don't feel like D'Angelo ever is going to get a fair shot for better or for worse because of how his career sort of started. But, uh, but yeah, I'm still hoping that he, he hoping for the best with regards to his career, because once a Laker, always a Laker, right Ronnie Turioff. <laughs> Hello, my name is Ronnie Turioff. Oh, shoot. I love playing for Lakers, and uh, I miss I miss my teammate. Maybe I come back with uh, Lemar Odom. Dude. He was from France, right? Wasn't he, like, French? Yeah, yeah. That was, that was very good. <laughs> he is, man. right? Yeah, yeah, there we go. No, I'm very impressed by that impression. I just threw that on you. But uh, thanks, Ronnie Turioff. Apparently, we have to have you on more to uh, to read the reviews. All right, so we have a late submission. Uh, Tommy's not going to be part of this Q&A portion, but we have another question from one of our patrons, actually. His name is Ted Stewart. So, Ted, thank you once again for donating, and then also thank you for submitting this question. So this one's a little quirky, and uh, 
funny, and I guess kinky, too. So, <laughs> so Ted Stewart asks, can you guys play the game F, marry, and kill? So, by F, we mean doing the nasty nasty. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, he asks, out of these three Lakers legends, who would you F, marry, or kill? You have to designate one of those verbs to one of these guys, and they can't be the same. So, out of Kobe, Shaq, and Magic Johnson, Alan, who would you F, who would you marry, and who would you kill? Should we go with, like, both of us, like, start with the F first and then go down the line? I'm just going to do whatever pops into my into my brain. Uh, I would... God, this is kind of difficult and weird. <laughs> um, I would marry... Oh my god, this is so difficult. I <laughs> Shoot. I think I think I would marry Magic. Yeah, just because he's so damn successful. You know, like you are. I'm, I'm gonna sound like a, a gold digger here or whatever, but like you are set for life and like ten different lives. You know, I'm a huge Dodger fan, so I could go to all the freaking Dodger games as well. So marry Magic Johnson. I mean, he just he was just in what Italy with like Samuel L. Jackson celebrating. What was he celebrating? It was his birthday. Uh-huh. Yeah. So Mary Magic. jeez. Uh, I would. Oh God, so weird, dude. <laughs> I guess I would. Frick, I would kill Shaq just because Shaq killed the Lakers season by not being in shape that one year. He was like, I hurt my toe on company time, so I'm gonna recover on company time. That really pissed me off, and that pissed Kobe off. So I would, I would do away with Shaq, even though I love Shaq. Uh, love-hate relationship, right? Yep. And then Kobe would be the last one, and I'm not going to say why. He's just the one that's remaining. So there you go. <laughs> okay, so I'm pretty much going to say the same things. Um, I'll add on to the reasonings why. I would marry Magic Johnson because he seems like perfect wifey material in terms of being very supportive and very <laughs> like affirming in believing in you. You know what I'm saying? So... Oh, for sure. Definitely. Super positive guy. You're always going to feel good. So that feels like good marriage material. Like, obviously, he had his stuff before where he, like, you know, got around. But but now he's he's turned his turned his ways. <laughs> he's ready to, to get into that, uh, yeah, that long-term commitment You'd stuff. You'd be like, hey, can I come? Hey, can I come too? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think I would definitely marry Magic Johnson. And outside of the what you said as well, him being successful and me feeling secure and all that, but I won't go any further. Um, killing, yeah, I'd probably go kill Shaq, although he'd seem... Marrying Shaq would be pretty funny. You'd always be entertained. I was, oh, for sure, definitely. But uh, but I think it's too also um, a little too erratic being with Shaq, I think, for the rest of my life, you know? You'd have to you'd have to toggle back and forth between like, oh, can you ever get serious? Him being kind of petty, all that stuff with Kobe, that stuff could bleed into the marriage, so... Yeah, I think I'd kill Shaq just because I don't want to do him. So, I mean, that's... (laughs) (laughs) And then obviously, yeah, I guess I would F Kobe just because... I guess if I had to make Kobe Bryant into a woman, like, he seems like a guy who has, like, a very svelte kind of body. And so he's, (laughs) he's, like, more in shape. And, yeah, I would F Kobe. So there you go. Well, he's definitely in the best shape. Yeah, yeah, for, for sure. sure. So I think that that logic makes sense. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, shoot, it's all about lust and being shallow. So, shoot, if you're going to go that way with it, that absolutely makes sense. Yep. So that is F, marry, or kill. 
And that will be the rest of our episodes from here till training camp. We're just going to do a bunch of F Mario kills with different players. So, all right, all right, I got another <laughs> one then. Uh, F Mary kill. Uh, you've got Kwame Brown, you've got Smush Parker, and you've got Slava Medvedenko. Uh, I'm going to kill Smush Parker for sure. Oh, definitely, no doubt. I'm gonna F. I'm gonna F Kwame Brown <laughs> just. I'm gonna, okay. I'm going to F Kwame Brown because Kwame Brown, I remember the one thing he had going for him was like his already well-built body coming into the NBA. So I'm, I'm, I'm on this body okay. fix kind of thing, you know, very superficial, but that's what you got to go with when you're effing someone, you know what I'm saying? So I'm going to F yep, Kwame yep, Brown yep. and then I guess I'll marry Slava because it'll be entertaining. Because <laughs> the guy must, must have worked his butt off to get to the league from wherever he came from oh, you know what i exactly. mean exactly so like, like he has a background guy's a hard freaking worker he's got a great story i'm sure so yeah that totally makes sense i agree with you on all of this i just you know <laughs> whatever he says all right all right so oh why is this game so fun you go for another hour look what you've done ted stewart all right well i hope everyone's enjoyed this episode in some capacity with that said thank you guys for listening to this uh all mailbag listener question episode um if you want to send us any questions or topic discussions add us at lakers legacy pod or email us at the lakers legacy pod at gmail.com and then for our patron subscribers um you can send us an mp3 30 seconds to a minute of anything you want to talk about and honestly at this point it doesn't have to be lakers related if you want to just do give us your top five favorite sitcoms or whatever your top five snacks to eat in the middle of the night when you have the munchies random stuff we're, we're all game for it at this point uh till the start of the season so yeah thank you guys for listening once again please follow us on twitter at lakers legacy pod Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, Ronnie Turioff, what do we got? Uh, that is how many more inches my hair is going to grow. If you remember back in the day, I had a ponytail and some people call it the Roni tail. So that is, I will grow my hair if you rate and review. I don't think anybody cares about Ronnie Turioff, but, but yeah, rate and review us for that reason alone. I didn't even remember that, that people called it the, the Roni tail, but, uh, yeah, cool. I think that was literally like one of our friends, but it's okay. We'll get a thing going. <laughs> cool. Rony tail, everybody. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, Tommy, catch you later. Later. Alan, catch you later. Peace out. Ronnie Turioff. Never mind. Peace. <laughs> uh, good Goodbye in French. <laughs> goodbye in French? What the heck? <laughs> No, that was that was that was perfect. Goodbye in French. That was perfect. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents, which means you're going to start telling your kids to clean up before the cleaning lady comes. Doesn't make sense, but you're the parent and they're the kids. You're going to start telling them that now, too. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. And there's your opening to remind them who pays the bills around here. 
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. This is what flow from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi! Did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi! You have high cholesterol! Hi! You're fine! And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi! There's no more even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.